What's going on, everyone? Scriptwriter Steve here. You've reached Barbecue Two Movies, February tenth, twenty twenty-one. All right, that's enough of that. But today's topic is going to be on COVID. You know, good old COVID. <laughs> anyway, this is Scriptwriter Steve, and I'm ready to talk about COVID. 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 You know, it's been, it, COVID ruined my 2020, it ruined my business, it ruined, it ruined a lot of things, it ruined my financial stability, but, you know, I'm not looking back, complaining about the past, I'm looking forward, and I'm here to tell you, there's a lot, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is coming soon, it's really, really coming soon, I'm looking at the numbers right now of infections worldwide, and these numbers are just plunging. Uh, don't believe the media. The media is doom and gloom. They don't preach hope. They don't preach faith. You know, they, the media for some reason is a godless, you know, faithless, hopeless entity that just wants you, you to rely on them for the truth. And I'll tell you what, you know, when I was younger, I trusted the media. Maybe they were lying back then, but now I really don't trust the media. I'm not sure if you trust the media, but uh, my faith in the media has gone from, I would say I was, you know, when I was younger, I was maybe about 90%. When I got involved with my own business, I started to see the truth. Then I started to see it was maybe about 70%. And then when I started to meet people in the media, and they were very intelligent. And then when I started to kind of see the editors who was working for them and the people around them, that they were trying to create narratives, it went down from 70%, 60% down to 20 or maybe 20, 20, 20 to 10%. Because I tell you what, these journalists... These journalists, these reporters, a lot of them practice lazy writing. You know, some of them are really good. Some of them try to do their best to, to get to the bottom of the story. But the little holes that they, that they try to fill, they kind of fill it with their own narrative. And it's not a very honest narrative. And a lot of times, they like to play armchair quarterback. No, no armchair quarterback. Armchair psychologist. Um, and they have no idea about anything about the human behavior. I mean, it's just incredible. So, you know, I'm here, I'm going to preach today about um, the hope, the light at the end of the tunnel. I can tell you what, these COVID numbers, they are coming down. And I'm going to go back to like, a, uh, you know, what I preached from before when this first started, you know, that this virus would pretty much burn itself out maybe on its own uh, within a year. We're actually seeing that. Now, I'm not sure how much I can even trust these statistics, but I'll get into that uh, right after I, I cut the commercial. So I got to cut the commercial, guys. I got to pay the bills. I'll be right back after I pay the bills. Hope you come back, guys. Just hold on for a minute or two. What is going on, everyone? This is your favorite complainer-in-chief, scriptwriter Steve, with a shameless plug for Dream Weddings Hawaii, a company that I just happen to own. Now, we specialize in romantic, intimate beach weddings, but plan weddings of all sizes and shapes. Gala weddings, elopings, surprise vow renewal, no problemo. So, if you are looking to tie the knot here in Hawaii, you better get in touch with me. Now, Dream Weddings Hawaii delivers quality that is extremely affordable, but don't just take my word for it. Visit our website at dreamweddingshawaii.com and find out for yourself. That's dreamweddings with an S, that's weddings with an S, hawaii.com. 
So look at our awesome photos, check our awesome beautiful touching ceremony videos, then take a look at our cheap prices, which I promise you won't faint at. Now don't forget to read our 5 star reviews. Now, by the way, we also take professional family photos. So visit our site at dreamweddingshawaii.com or just buzz me at 808-479-0685. That's 808-479-0685. What's going on everyone? I'm back. Yeah, I'm back here. Just soaking in some of this music before I start talking. It's pretty laid back here. Pretty good positive COVID music, right? <laughs> Alright, I'll turn that music down. Okay, here we go. Let's get started here. Okay. Now, all we've heard that, you know, COVID would bring upon the second apocalypse. This was the end of the world, the end of everything, no hope on there. Donald Trump, you know, was just basically a murderer and he didn't know what to do, even though all of that was false. We, we remember, I'm not sure if you remember, but he did everything in his power to fight this virus and he did it pretty well. Uh, the virus is just very, very contagious. It is real. But it's not as bad as people think it actually is. And um, what I want to do is I want you to flash back to when COVID first started. When, it, when you first heard of COVID uh, breaking out in uh, China. And then it went over to South Korea. Then over to Japan. And there was a, there was a, a ship called the Diamond Princess. And this Diamond Princess ship, uh, someone had gotten infected on there. And it had spread throughout this entire ship. Now, why is this ship very important? Because this ship provided much of, I guess, much of uh, the world with pretty much, uh, I guess, uh, a very closed and controlled scientific experiment, which we can still look back at till today and basically pull out a lot of information from it. And so I want to give you some numbers there, all right? And then I want to compare it to the numbers that are coming out uh, right now in the data that I see through um, the NIH, the CDC, and also here through Google, they all have the, they all kind of pretty much have the same numbers and, and the same graphs. All right. And uh, again, as a warning, I am not an epidemiologist. I'm not a doctor. I am not, you know, anyway, I'm a wedding planner. I'm a wedding planner, photographer, videographer, um, you know, again, a storyteller as well. Um, but part of, you know, being a storyteller is that you have to analyze the data before you start telling a story because if you don't then you just start making crap up which is what our journalists do you know they don't do the homework that i do or maybe they do and they have an agenda and they want to tell you something different all right so let's get back to this diamond cruise ship now the diamond cruise ship was really interesting these are those, those nice vacation cruise ships where everyone goes on there now it holds a lot of people on this cruise ship which was full to the full and maxed out filled to the brim there was 2,666 passengers on this. That's a lot of people. Now, um, out of those, uh, not out of those, now on top of that, there was 1,045 crew, which brought us to a total of 3,711 people on this ship. Now, on this ship, one person got infected now, one person. And one person, that one person who was infected, who brought COVID onto the ship, um, 
691 people got infected. 691 of the total 3,711 people. Okay, you get that? 691 of the total 3,711 people, all right? Now, what percentage of that is? That's 18%. So 18% of the, of the whole ship got infected, and then for some reason, it stopped. Now, even after they got quarantined, right, they did quarantine themselves after they found out that SARS-CoV-2 was on the ship, but by that time, 691 people were already infected. So these people were gallivanting, swimming, you know, doing all the festivities out there, not wearing masks, rubbing elbows and everything like that. Uh, you know, they, they basically were, um, you know, do, just acting like regular people. And, uh, and, and uh, they, they didn't do any social distancing, n- nothing what we do nowadays, right? And only for some reason, their infection stopped at around 18%. Now, why is that? The scientists have never figured that out for some reason, or I think they have, but they haven't released that data yet, or they haven't, I guess they're not telling us the full truth because they don't want us to become complacent in the way we we live our lives, okay? So I, I think they know, but they're not telling the whole truth, okay? Now, out of the 691 people who got infected, only two died, two, that's about it, okay? Now, most of these crew... I mean, most of these passengers, they were not young kids. These were elderly people, um, 60 years and older, all right? You know, most of these people here, you know, old people go on cruises, right? Young people really don't go on cruises at all. So out of all those people, only two of them died. So that gives us an 18% infection rate and a 0.02% mortality rate of COVID, SARS-CoV-2. Now, why is that? Uh, a lot of scientists said, well, this is, you know, you can't extrapolate this data, but apparently this data right here mimics everything we're seeing right now. Now, fast forward to the present. There's around 300 million people uh, in America, um, and it really depends, illegal immigrants and everything. You can actually say up to 320 million people, but why don't we just say 300 million people because those are those are who we know are actually here, all right? And... Um, Right now, there's 27.1 million who were infected and about 450,000 people who actually, out of the 27 million who died. Now, there's actually probably more than 27.1 million who were infected because, again, we can't test everyone, right? Now, on top of that, we have about 30 million people who actually received the first dose of vaccine. And um, what's happening right now Ever since this vaccine has been, that it hit the market, once Trump actually approved it, the numbers since January have been falling. Now, let me take a look here at my numbers here. On January, on January 6th, we had about 255,000 new cases. Okay, this is right during the, during the riots in the Capitol. Right after that, right now, we only have 92,000 new cases. If you take a look at this graph, this is way down from where it was. These are actually pre, the, the last time we had numbers like this, it was probably the beginning of November of last year, 2020. So this is like a, at a really, really steep decline. And why is that happening right now? And I can tell you what, there's a couple things. Now, number one is that they're actually changing the way they 
they uh, they they te- I guess they test people for for um, for COVID. The PCR test has actually changed now. Uh, before they were multiplied by fifty times or forty times, and they said that was inaccurate because you really couldn't test whether or not a virus was actually live inside your nose. So, for example, you could actually have a virus inside of your nose if they do a nasal swab inside there, and you say, "Oh yeah, it's in there," but is it alive? And if it's alive, then it could infect someone, but if it's dead, it's useless, right? And they said at 40 or 50% multiplication, what's well, completely useless because it may be dead. And at 20, it's maybe about 50% accurate. So it should be multiplied at 10%. And even then, it's, no, it's only 25% accurate. So what they did is that the WHO changed their rules. And they said, they basically said, if you do a nasal swab and you come back um, uh, positive, you have to be symptomatic too. And then come back maybe about a week later and we'll do another, another nasal swab and see if you're positive then. So there's almost a three-step process now to actually be considered positive. Now, I'm not sure if they're employing that technique to um, our testing right now. Um, according to a lot of my uh, clients who need to get, who come down here to get married, um, they're not doing that. My father too, who just went through surgery, um, he just got one single nasal swab and it came back negative. And before you go to the hospital surgery, you have to do that. Um, they didn't follow that protocol. But, but I'm not sure if they're following the protocol in other parts of the nation. And maybe that's why some of the tests are coming back negative. I'm really not sure. But here's the, here's the other thing that's really important. I believe that there's actually some type of herd immunity already built in into the, into the actual, um, it, the herd immunity is actually already built into the entire community of America and, and your local town. So why do I believe that? Well, an NIH study came out there and they, actually, they had actually said that the common code, which is a coronavirus, could actually provide anywhere between 30% to 50% immunity within the community. And um, the reason why they, they said that is that they were saying, they were looking at a lot of, they couldn't explain why someone in a household would, uh, would actually come down with COVID and then someone, their loved one right next door to them. And again, they're kissing them and everything like that. And they're not infected. Absolutely not, not infected. I have a friend of mine, her husband got infected. Now, if she's listening to this, you know, she knows who, who I'm talking about, right? Um, but uh, her husband, husband got infected and she didn't get infected. Her kids didn't get infected. You know, they didn't know he was infected until he felt some of the symptoms on the weekend. And then by the end of the weekend, he was fine. And, um, so that's kind of weird. Now I have a lot of friends who were like that, where again, the, one of the spouses, they got infected, but the other one didn't. Why is that? And what they're saying is that they're seeing this across the country where, and, and sometimes, the whole family gets infected too. No, no, don't. So don't take my. It's not consistent that you know that we don't, only half of the spouses get infected, but they're seeing it over and over and over again. And uh, even down the street, um, there was a gentleman down there who um, agrees one hundred percent with politics with me, and who also loves, loves to smoke meat. Uh, and uh, he was infected, but his uh, son-in-law, his his, his daughter, um, their baby, and everyone, n- none of them got infected, and he didn't even. Uh, quarantine himself inside of his home. I mean, he quarantined himself inside his home, but not inside the room. He was just walking around, walking around, touching everything. Uh, he felt a little tired. That's about it. But then he said he stayed in for two weeks and his son-in-law, his, sister, his, uh, his daughter didn't get infected at all. They even did the nasal, nasal swab thing. No infection. Why is that? Again, they were saying, the NIH had said, 
you know, the common code, um, while the antibodies that are, that are generated from the common code are much different than the ones needed to fight SARS-CoV-2, which is the coronavirus we know now, um, but the T-cell memory, they said the T-cells show very, I, I guess the T-cell memory are very, very similar um, the, the, the T-cells generated by someone who has SARS-CoV-2 versus the common code are very, very similar. And the common code more than likely would provide some form of immunity to those who, to those who, um, who I guess, to those who are cl- in close proximity to someone who's infected with COVID. And this is what they said, that, that if you're, you probably got sick before with a common code, you have some form of immunity, if not total immunity. And that makes a little bit of sense there, right? Because again, SARS-CoV-2 is a coronavirus. The common code is a coronavirus, right? And maybe your body has created, your T-cell memory has, has made this so. Now, I'm not sure if that applies to me or applies to you or, or how we can test it. We just really don't know, right? Now, here's the really interesting thing. Now, if we take this, if we take this number, say 30 to 50% of the people in America or people period or the population could be immune to COVID already. That means we have a fifth, up to a 30 to 50 point, I guess, head start on herd immunity. Now remember herd immunity, they say you may need close to 70 to 90% of people vaccinated or previously infected to actually attain herd immunity, right? But what if the... What if the common code gave us a 30% to 50% head start? Wouldn't that be something, right? That means we, we would only need between 18, 15 to 20%, um, I guess, of those infected um, to actually boost us up to 70%. So here, here's the thing. Over, over in, um, on that Diamond Princess cruise ship, again, there's 3,711 total crew and only 691 people actually got infected. And after 691 people got infected, and, that, and again, they were quarantined maybe about three days after that, three or four days after that, um, it stopped spreading. That's only an 18% infection rate. If we add 50% on top of there, we're pretty much close to that 70% threshold where you need herd immunity. That ship right there had some form of herd immunity where the virus had stopped spreading. Isn't that pretty interesting, huh? And by the way, on other ships, this also followed suit. On aircraft carriers, uh, the, na- the naval ships, right? All these naval ships, these, these um, ships going around there, and these uh, sailors, they, they went off the ship, and they docked, they, they brought COVID back, COVID back onto there. Once they, 20% of their ship actually got infected, everything just stopped. It stopped spreading, and it just died. It just died. So where are we now right now? Again, we have 300 million people in America, right? Around the 300 million, 320 million, I don't know, whatever number you want to take. It may be, it may be even more with illegal aliens, right? We have 27.1 million who were infected and about 29 million who received the first dose of, that, of the vaccine. Now, you, you put these together because most of those 27.1 million people are basically Im- who got infected, they're immune, Okay, the chances of you, of you getting reinfected are very, very, very low. There's only one case in America out of the 27.1 million people who actually got, who actually got a, a reinfected. Okay, one case. So it's possible 
but you just have one case out of the 27.1 million. You have a better chance of getting struck by lightning twice, just to let you know. You have a better chance of, uh, chance of dying on an airplane crash than getting reinfected with COVID if you already had it. So again, 27.1 million, add 29 million who received the first dose of vaccine. And right now, you're at about 20%, 20% immunity right now. And again, when that 29 million people get their second dose, they'll be fully immune. And, and, and then that number will actually go even further ahead because there'll be more people who got the first dose. When you get the first dose of Pfizer, by the way, they say you're about 80% immune. In fact, they're saying that if you actually had the common code before, you may actually only need one, one dose of the Moderna or the Pfizer because if you get the second one and you get a really big reaction to it, that's because your body was already immune to COVID. How do you like that? How do you like that? So if you have a strong immune response to, to, to the vaccine, that means it was useless to basically get it because you're, that means your immune system was already strong enough to fight off COVID. And that's why it was generating a too strong of an immune response when you actually got the vaccine. So anyway, you add those two numbers up and you get, a, you get about 20% and you add the buffer of about 50% herd immune, you know, 50% already built-in herd immunity because of the common code, you're at about 70%. Same like the diamond ship, the diamond princess ship, right? And that's why the numbers, I think, are coming down. Now, I look everywhere across the, every single state, the numbers are plunging. They are plunging, plunging, plunging. It doesn't matter if they're open or they're, or they're closed. They are plunging, and they're plunging in the face of a new variant out there that is supposed to be spreading like wildfire. Now, here's the really crazy thing about this. One thing that they're not saying about this new variant is how deadly it actually is. I want to know, and, and here's the thing. The devils are not only in the details. The devil is in the details that they don't tell us. So what's one stat that we haven't heard? How many people have died from this new variant? Have you noticed they haven't said one person died from this new variant yet? You know, they, they never said it. They said they identified it on, on some of these people, but they didn't say they actually had died. Now, here's the thing about viruses. Viruses, as they mutate, they usually get weaker. They get weaker over time. When the first H1N1 flu was introduced in America during World War I, I mean, it was strong enough to stop a road war. And that was one of the reasons why the World War I actually stopped. Um, and, and here's the thing. The same H1N1 virus is still around. I got it. You probably got it. It didn't kill us. We, we weren't even scared of getting, it, getting the flu. But back then, during World War I, if you got the flu, that was basically the death sentence. All right? So it had actually, you know, gotten less severe as it gotten more infectious. Now, here's the problem. Do, is, this, is this virus that is create was it created in a lab or is it natural? And if it's created in a lab, is it meant, does it follow the same path as a normal virus does? Does that mean as it gets more contagious, will it become less weak? I don't know. I really don't know. But they're not telling us a lot of things right now. And again, the devils are in the details that they don't show us. I want to know, I, I really would like to know, out of all the people who, wear, who got infected, how many of them were wearing masks? And out of all those ones who were wearing masks, how many of them were actually had died? 
know, the people who died, what were the protocols of um, their treatment? How many of them died because they didn't receive the right type of treatment? How many of them died that were on hydroxychloroquine and zinc and, and all those other things? And when was, when was it administered? You know, there's not enough detailed data. They have this detailed data for us, but they're not releasing it to us, right? We should know. We should actually know. And if we don't, and all I can say is that if they don't tell us, that means they're hiding something, right? I want to know, like say, for example, I, wanna, I, I really want to know if hydroxychloroquine do, and, and zinc actually do work. Now, I'm part of a Facebook group. I think I've, you heard this before. I'm part of a Facebook group, a closed Facebook group um, that has a lot of frontline doctors on there who fight, who fight COVID every single day. Um, this is how I've known how to, why to take uh, quercetin and zinc and uh, use that as a, as a uh, prophylaxis to prevent me from getting COVID or getting, from me getting a bad case of COVID. And I tell you what, I'm out there, I'm interacting. I don't wear my mask very often. And then, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I got COVID and then, you know what, I, I didn't, maybe, uh, you, you know, I, I, I got it, I, the, the quercetin zinc helped me fight it off. Who knows? All right. It may have, it may have not. I can't prove it. Yes or no. But I would really like to know why, I guess, how, how many people took the hydroxychloroquine and the zinc and then when were they administered it and then when... Uh, you know, if they did die, when did they die? You know, by taking it. We have all this data here, but they won't release it. It's too, everything's too much of a broad stroke. And I, I know for a fact that all of these doctors say that hydroxychloroquine and zinc, you, and even the quercetin and zinc, you need to prescribe that right away. As soon as uh, the people are infected, you should give it to them. And within about three to five days, they'll be good. All right. And a lot of people say, well, that's anecdotal. But hell, you know, who cares if it's anecdotal? They're impeaching a president on a metaphor. <laughs> you know, they're wearing masks on very much anecdotal evidence. They're social distancing on basically no evidence. In fact, the WHO is against social distancing. They're closing down schools on very much anecdotal evidence, right? And they're out there saying hydroxychloroquine and zinc won't work because that may be anecdotal evidence. When they're doing everything else based upon anecdotal evidence. You know, we have to wait for a double-blinded placebo test. And you know what that means? That means somebody in that study is going to get like a sugar pill and they're going to die. They're waiting for people to die from, from taking a sugar pill so they can say, oh, okay, I guess so. It doesn't work. How ethical does that, that make it, Right. And that's what they wait for these vaccines too. They wait to see, you know, the, and that's why I was going to enroll myself into these vaccine tests when they were coming out. I wanted the real vaccine, right? And, and then, but then they were going to give people nothing. Again, it was a double-blinded placebo because they want to see, oh, if you're going to get COVID and then on top of that, if you're going to die, <laughs> right? And that's how they get the statistic to show that, well, how, how actually effective it is. Now, here, here's something very, very interesting, all right? I want it now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all, okay? I'm probably going to get the vaccine when it's my turn. But here's something really interesting. The, right now, from the age of 0 to 19, 0 to 19, if you get COVID, if they get COVID, 0 to 19, you have a 99.982% chance of recovering, 100% healthy. 
20 to 49, ages 20 to 49, you have a 99.72% chance of recovery. 50 to 69%, you have a 97.31% of recovery. You got that? Now, age 70 plus, you have an 82.43% of recovery. 82.43% of recovery. So maybe if you're older, 70 plus and older, you should get the shot, right? That means that makes kind of sense. 70 plus and older. But if you're my age, 43, I have a 99.72% chance of recovery. And the vaccine says it only protects me to 95%. Does that make any sense? That, that means how can you say that the vaccine actually works? Because if you take the vaccine here in, in, in the test, they said, if you take the vaccine, you have a 95% chance you're not, you're not going to get COVID. All right. Okay, fine. But if you don't take it, you have a 99.72% chance of living after you get it. So why, why should you actually get it? it? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, even though I may get it, I, you know, it, it, those numbers really, you know, kind of jog my mind here. So maybe it's not worth to get it, right? I mean, if I get it, I have a pretty much close to 100% chance of, of, of living. Now get this, 99.982, 99.72. This sounds very, very familiar. We go back to the Diamond Princess cruise ship. What was their mortality rate? 0.02% mortality rate. Well, I look at my stats over here right in front of me. Well, yeah, that, that basically means over there, you had a 99.82% chance of dying over there. I mean, of living if you got COVID on the, on the crew. So if you're the, if you were one of the 691 people who got infected, you had a 99.982% chance of living on the Diamond Princess crew. It's the same percentage rate here for, and I'm looking in front of me, if you don't take the vaccine or anything like that. So again, extrapolating the data from the Diamond Princess crew, which has a 0.02% mortality rate, and you look at the mortality rate right now for age of 0 to 69, it's basically the same thing. I'm sorry, 0 to 49, it's basically the same thing. All right? Now, if you're 50 to 69, it's, you know, you have a 3% chance of mortality rate, which is still pretty darn good. It's, it's still pretty darn good. You want to know what your chances of survival if you get into a plane crash is? It's way less than that. How about a car accident? How about a motorcycle accident? How about surfing? How about bodyboarding? You know, how about bicycling? If you get involved, you know, if you get hit by a wave, a big wave here in Hawaii, you have a very, you have a higher chance of dying from that than COVID. I'm just telling you that. So right now, I think we're doing a really good thing of vaccinating the elderly, right? And uh, hopefully their immune system. Here, here's the really strange thing about vaccines too, okay? Um, for vaccines, you usually need a very strong immune system to actually generate the antibodies and the, and the T cells needed to fight off any type of virus. And that's why this mRNA ones are actually pretty good because they're kind of tricking the body. They're, you're not using a live virus. Um, but usually you need, you know, two, you, you need, you need a, a strong and healthy immune system. That's why, you know, babies are usually vaccinated and because their immune systems are very, very strong and they can create the antibodies needed, you know, you know that, will, that will last them basically a lifetime. So, you know, it's still, I'm still pretty much up in the air whether or not I'll get the vaccine. I'm pretty sure I'll get it though. But when I look at these numbers, I, I keep saying, why? 
You know, really, really why? And I can see the reason why a lot of people my age are saying, yeah, I don't think I need to get it. You know, and here's the thing. Even though we're not getting it, the numbers are coming down. They're really coming down. Just Google, here, hold on. Google United States COVID and that graph on Google will pop up and you will see the steep decline and it keeps declining and declining and declining. Now, again, is it all politics? Is it all fake? Is it actually because we do have herd immunity? I don't know what the cause, you know, I can't really pinpoint the cause. I mean, it could be politics, right? It could be. But anyway, with all this being said, I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, this is really, really good news for us. Um, you know, and uh, I just hope it continues. With, at this rate, at this steep curve going down, um, we're looking, I mean, it, it went down by almost 150,000 infections. Can you imagine that? It went down by 150, you know, it, it's falling at a rate faster than it, than, it, than it climbed right now. It took us a while to get from 100,000 infections to maybe at a peak of, hold on, um, 259,000. It took us about close to about three months. And now we're almost back to where we were back then in November in about less than a month. That is incredible. That right there is just incredible. It's exponentially disappearing faster than it actually rose. Could you imagine that? Now, here's another thing, too. The, vi the vaccines are getting distributed faster than the virus can actually spread. And it's being distributed to the right people. So we should see this death rate come down. All right? Uh, again, I'm not sure if, you know, I'm not recommending if you should or should not get the vaccine, or if you're a grandmother or anyone should get the vaccine because they're older or not. Um, it seems like it's a good idea for the elderly to get vaccinated more than the youth. And that's why some things I can't stand is that all you have, you have a lot of young people out there who are just, you know, getting vaccinated and then holding up their card on, on Facebook saying, look at me, I'm doing my part. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so, so what? You know, really, yeah, you're, you're doing your part, but again, you're just... You know, your virtue signaling. Just get it and then go on with your life. You know, you don't have to brag about it, like how you bragged about your mask and bragged about everyone and bragged about social distancing and doing your part. It takes all of us, all that crap. You know, I, I don't need to hear that, you know. You know, I, I don't need your virtue signaling. All right, everyone. That's it for today. Hope I told you some pretty good news here. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, like, this COVID being gone maybe by March or April. I even am predicting that could, it could be really gone by middle March if we continue on this downward slide. I mean, it is going down really, really quick. You know what I'm really scared, though? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to end it right now. Um, what I'm really scared of is not more of COVID, but more so of Joe Biden and the liberals you know, really, really taking credit for all of this. I mean, they're going to say, oh, you know, we, we, we set this marker at, you know, six months and now at three months and all that, we got rid of it. Something that something the Trump administration could have done. We put our heads together. We did all of this thing. And they're just going to, you know, pat themselves on the back and, and they're going to use this as, a, you know, to, to catapult them into a, a 2024 um, election victory. When the truth is, all of this vaccine stuff, it all happened because of President Donald Trump. All of it happened because of President Donald Trump, right? And, and I hate for a fact that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were just celebrating and saying, you know, on the first day, 
And I, I turned off the TV because I, I just was so pissed off at them because they came out and said that, you know, under our administration, we created a vaccine in, a, in about on, on the first day. You know, we, we took the initiative and we created the vaccine, something, something the, the Trump administration had a very hard time doing. And here we are. We actually have something to roll out. You didn't do nothing. You did absolutely nothing. You know, they're just a bunch of screw ups. All right, guys, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You guys have a nice day. I hope I brighten your day somehow. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.